1: Jack Ross, and you're listening to the Wise Men Say Podcaster.
0: Go along to the Wise Men Say podcast, we have a little bit of bonus content for you um, today just off the back of Tony Mowbray's appointment as the new head coach of Sunderland. That may or may not have been announced by the time you're listening to this, but we all know it's just a matter of time. So I'm delighted to welcome Dan from Rovers Chat onto the podcast for his Wise Men Say debut. We'll probably catch up with you a couple more times this season, Dan, but. Um, Generally, how is his his life down there in Blackburn at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's good Uh, in terms of the team. I mean, three wins to start the season. We're all dreaming of playoffs Mm. and then three losses to follow it. (laughs) Maybe a fourth by, you know, by the time we uh, play Blackpool tomorrow. But, you know, I think there's still optimism in the air, which is nice to have after, you know, we'll go on to discuss Mowbray and his five years, won't we?
0: Yes, we will. Well what we'll do is before we get on to um you know, drill really deep down into the um into his football and philosophies and how he was as a as a person and stuff, um we'll just we'll we'll just start from the from the beginning because he um he took over Blackburn and and, and couldn't halt their slide into league league one, is that correct? But then he did get you up on the first attempt.
1: Yeah, so we was uh, under the management of Owen Coyle, who, for anyone that doesn't know, managed Burnley, managed Bolton. Uh, just just and what and you Hockey want as a Blackburn fan, yeah? And, yeah, I mean, how uh, to treat your fans after a bad six years by appointing Burnley's, one of Burnley's most successful managers until Sean Dash come along. So, uh, yeah, it was really strange. And then I think we had 15 games left of the season. We finally pulled the trigger. And I think about 48 hours later, more, more ber- were and to be honest, he weren't in any of the betting, or if he was, he was down in the 150 to 1s, whatever. So it kind of come out of nowhere. I think we nearly had Nigel Atkins were the one that were favourite for ages. So Mowbray come in, we saw his record. We were a bit sceptical. And like you say, he couldn't stop us going down. But the belief that he kind of instilled in us, I think if there is a statistic that if he did 15 games, if he did three 15-game sections, so had a full season... We'd have finished ninth or 10th that year. So that were how, you know, how strong we was under him. And there were a period when we lost three games and that was what sent us down. So we went down on 51 points. So that does. We went down with him and then we all expected him to kind of go in the summer, but he, you know, he committed to us, signed his contract and we had a season in League One that, you know, you've, you've been in League One, you know how good it is when you get that winning feeling back. And every week the attendance seemed to build and that was kind of us We we went from a club that felt like we were only going one way to kind of being up and a lot of that was Mowbray that season. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, we, we nearly got that the first season and then it all uh, capitulated at the end of the season we were we were stuck down there for uh, another few years. So I guess it's simplistic just to say, you know, to assume that he brought the fairly good factor back. It must be more than that because as, as Sunderland are evidence of... Um, you know, you've still got to you've still got to do things right down in League One because it can be it can be a bit of a swamp. And uh Blackburn like Sunderland would have been a bit of a big pull for all of the sides down there. They all raise the they game. Were. Yeah, they all raise the game when they play you. Yeah. And we know more than anyone what, well, you know, how that can get on top of you at times. So what was it you what was it you think that he did to correct where Orn Coyle was going wrong initially?
1: Yeah, so I think you know, a lot of it is that fight, that passion that we kind of missed all season. You know, we'd go 1-0 down the coil and it was, oh, here we go, we've lost the game. And you could see the players edge dropping, whereas under Mowbray, it felt like we were never giving up. We were fighting every tackle men a bit more. And I think what he got right when we went down was he didn't go and spend a lot of money on quality players. He spent money on players that knew the league. They knew what to do. They knew that they had the job to get us out, Richie Smallwood prime example he'll admit himself he's not the best footballer in the world but he knew the league and that was what Mowbray did Mowbray was a lot about not just the right players quality wise the right players for the team people you know he always takes people into account he told a story once that I think we were close to signing Marcus Madison but then he had a meeting with him and Mark even though we all know how good Marcus Madison was at the time he had a meeting with him and didn't like his personality and said, right, you're not coming to the club. And that's kind of one thing I think we'll find that the people who come in are going to be good people as well. It's not purely, yes, they're good footballers. It's, are they going to be a good egg in the changing room? You got rid of a lot of bad eggs, really.
0: Interesting you see a Marcus Madison there because... A lot of Sunderland fans uh, really wanted him in, um, and he's in the he's in non-league now. And yeah, I, yeah. Don't, think the, uh, I don't think his attitude is uh, is the best by all accounts. Um, so Tony Morby gets you promoted, um, and you know, like Sunderland, I guess you you were just happy to stabilize back in the championship. And how did he adapt to the step up?
1: Yeah, I think what we found with a step up was quite surprisingly actually. We didn't expect. It kind of fought out some of the players that got us up maybe he went a bit back to the quality side of it like Richie Smallwood who was an incredible player for us in League One he kind of didn't really play in the Championship he kind of said look you did your job in League One for us we really appreciate it but maybe you're just not that acceptable and although it might sound harsh it kind of we always had that quality to stay up like, but we, we never felt like we were going down we knew that you know, we get the quality, it's a good addition, you know, bringing uh, Adam Armstrong into the club on a permanent deal, he was very shrewd with his money, when we have little amounts of money, he could spend it really well, it was when he was given the big money that he kind of struggled, and that rate, he knew what, he knew what he had to adapt, he knew that players just sometimes aren't good enough, Corey Evans, you know, he was in the squad quite a bit, obviously a captain now, he was more favourite really, so... I can already see that bit for him, you know, staying in that midfield. I just think Mowbray knew that coming up, he couldn't win as many games by, you know, there had to be a bit of quality as well. And I think he just, he got the balance perfectly. You know, he's, he'll get a lot of criticism from some about later years, but that first year back, I think he played it perfectly, just stabilising the club. Slow progression, but, you know, it's progression nonetheless.
0: Mm-hmm. And be- before we get into so again, like we we'll, we'll go more specifically in in the way players and stuff, obviously your at Blackburn's league finishes in, in the Championship, and it was steady progression. And I think more Southern fans are realistic enough to, to to aim for that, despite the the size of the club. You know, still still a bit of a big fish in this league, if we're being honest. But I think we're realistic enough to know that it's just not going to happen overnight, and we need we need a few years to to, to try and rebuild. Um, and 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 he brought that to Blackburn. Now, now last season, um, from what I can gather, you know you were absolutely flying for a long time, and then and then and then the season was 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 finished by just this awful run where you couldn't win, and, and promotion form turned to relegation form. And does that, in 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 the eyes of Blackburn fans, maybe? Um, almost disguised the eighth place finished you know did it feel worse now because we've seen this under Steve Bruce's manager where you'll go through the entire second half of the season you'd win like two games and everybody looking in saying you finished 10th in the Premier League you should be happy And more like we were fourth in, in January yeah. do you know what I mean so uh, it's, it's not always what it seems when you look at finishes in the league
1: no you've hit the nail on the head there that's it you know if we'd have finished 8th over a season by having a good month and a bad month then you're like god we finished 8th but I think we were really up there. We uh, we lost 7-0 to Fulham, actually, at the start. I remember, I remember that, yeah. That kind of felt like the end of Mowbray, kind of. It felt like he can't recover from a 7-0, surely mm-hmm. not. And then we go on this 11-game run where we beat Bournemouth 2-0 away from home. Best performance I've seen us put in probably ever in Mowbray's time. Uh, we were winning games constantly. We were scoring goals for fun. And suddenly you go from this... 7-0 defeat, when we were still, you know, we were still within touching distance of the playoff, when we got beat 7-0, but we just up clicked, and we went on this incredible run, and like you say, when you're, uh, you're up there at Christmas, you're dreaming of going up on, you look at Leeds when they did it, and I think that was the fact in Mowbray's time here, that I think it happened two or three times that we were up there and we didn't make it, it happened at Middlesbrough as well, if you ever speak to Middlesbrough fans about Mowbray, they'll say the same, that, Half a season, he's best manager in the league, and then you get to the second half and you just start losing games. There were one time we were, I think we got in, we were 2 0 up at Brentford 10 minutes in. We were sat six in the live table and we lost 5 2 and won 1 1 at the next 14. And it was kind of just something happens. It's not injuries, it's not missing players, it's just it seemed to fall apart at the same part a few seasons in a row. And I think that's where. If you look at Twitter and Rovers fans have been reacting to Mowbray, It's been well, he's a good manager, but will collapse in February, collapse in March, and I think that's kind of clouds his term here. Because any manager who does what he did for us should be, in my eyes, he should be applauded and he should get the respect in his ears, and I think he will get it, you know, when he comes back to you. But mm. that's
0: concerning because those those, those like, uh, runs of of, of... Defeats can really deflate a fan base, can't they? it? Doesn't matter. Like I say, you don't look at the detail, you don't care. You turn up, and you're losing every week. That's what. That's the one thing that's like really like lingering over me. What I'm, I'm concerned about it now. Be honest, I haven't done enough research to go back across his managerial career to see if this is a, a regular thing or whether it was just something, something a Blackburn. or so something for us to debate, I guess, um, when we talk amongst yeah, ourselves.
1: Uh, uh, yeah. When- you know, I just had a look. Then the 2018-19 uh, season, first year we come up, we got to January. We'd won four games in a row, three clean sheets in a row. And then, you know, we go and lose four, draw one, lose two, win one, and lose three. And that's kind of, that's it. You're in that playoff contention, you drop off, and then you win your last four or five, and then it looks like, oh, if we only had three more games, we'd have got playoffs. But you forget the twelve that have come before that we don't. Winning, it would just blocks and more more seemed to have. You'd never, you won't win two and then lose two. You'd win five and then lose five under him. And that makes it look a lot worse than, you know, winning Mm. and then losing each time. I think that's, if you can take that into account when you watch his sides and realise that, you know, clubs do have this down patch, I think he'll be a good addition for you.
0: Oh, I don't know if I can be done with the roller coasters, Dan. To be honest, uh, the, the roller coaster of emotions. You've is had enough. Great. Yeah, we have had enough. I'd rather, like you say, I'd rather win two, lose two, win two, lose two. Um, right, okay. What we'll do? There, take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll we'll, we'll dig a little bit deeper into the way uh, Tony Moorebry likes to play football. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years like a chat bot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly
1: three years in some states learn more at uh1.com everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too
0: I'm Stephen Elliott and you're listening to the Wise Man Say podcast. Okay, welcome back to the Wise Man Say podcast. We have set up the Tony Mowbray uh, situation now and give a quick summary of how we did uh, at, at Blackburn. So I'll dig a little bit deeper now into the way he likes to play football. I think he's quite well-known in Sunderland. He's, he's from down the road. He's from Borough, um, you know, which we all, we, we all know. He's a Borough lad. He managed Borough for a bit. Um, Luckily for him the rivalry between Sunderland and Burr is not it's it's not deep enough from Sunderland's point of view for that to come into consideration. I don't think it might be another stick to beat him with if he goes on one of these uh um winless runs, but I it's just it's you know, Burrow think it's a thing more than Sunderland think it's a thing, put it that way. Um so I think he'll be okay there. Uh, he's quite charismatic, isn't he? Which which I like. He, he does, you know, he he, he always uh, seems like he's good company to be in and he answers questions well. he's got charisma he's got personality and, and those kind of things go down well in Sunderland and I think he has a reputation for attacking football as well which again goes back to his early managerial days and I remember I think when he was at West Brom and he used to talk again well known as a player up here because he was a borough and he was a no-nonsense centre-half as a player it was really tough I mean you can't you can't look like him and and um and 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 not be prepared to put your head in st- in in in, in, in the places and um he always made a point of saying I couldn't really play myself so I wanted to make sure that when I was a manager my teams could do the things that I couldn't do and he wants to pass and play attacking football. Is 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 that pretty accurate?
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, like you mentioned with him mate uh, he's always tried to we found at Robbers that even in the league, one season he tried playing this passing football, and a few players have spoke about it since that he very quickly realised that wasn't the way to go. So we adapted his team into long balling it and just playing off a big man. And a few years later, he tried playing the passing ball again, and we just couldn't we couldn't get it to work. And we kind of ended up changing into different ways. So it kind of went from we went from a passing team to a long ball team. Then we tried to pass it again. And we could, we didn't really have the players to do it. So we went kind of uh, pressing and then we went back to passing. That didn't work. So we went to counter-attacking in the end. I think you'll find with Mourbray, sometimes criticism of him, but I'm not too fussed that it actually does this. He wouldn't go to an away ground and try and win the game if it's a tough game. So, so you know, we had one of the ones that stuck out for me went to QPR last year. Uh, Wednesday night under the lights you're happy to just take a point from them games and we kind of sat everyone behind the ball for 70 minutes conceded, and we didn't have an answer to it and that's one thing that always worried me about him that if a Rovers team went 1-0 down I didn't see him coming back too much but when you're dominating games under Mowbray you were really really dominating and I think you've got what you've got there that we didn't have is maybe, you know, a Ross Stewart and Ellis, Ellis Sims who can actually put the ball in the net. We had very wasteful strikers, even Adam Armstrong uh, take five or six shots to score. And that's, that, I think that'll benefit more by the fact that he doesn't have a striker that needs five, six goals. I'm a big fan of Ross Stewart. I feel that, you know, if you give him the odd chance, he'll score a goal. And maybe that's, I think that'll play into his hands more. He'll have obviously done his research on your side and he'll know that, he's got these players that can score and I think for me the passing play he'll try and implement but if it doesn't work he'll adapt and you know try and go on a counter attack Mowbray always seemed to be well the typical way win your home games which we were pretty good at home to be fair we'd win quite a lot and then not get beat in your away games and that kind of bit him at times but then you go some places it works perfect so it's it's that balance. I think if you can establish the balance at Sunderland of when to attack and when to defend, I think he'll he'll be successful in his uh, style of player.
0: Okay, a few things you just said uh, that, that jumped out of me, and anyway, I need to address them all, Dan. <laughs> um, first one, I, I'm again, you know, like these winless runs. I, I'm, I'm. It's not good to hear that if you go goal down, um, you feel the worst because what we did have with Alex Neil was somebody who was really good at adapting um and he was really good at game management and, and yeah. solving puzzles and thinking, right, this is not working. I'm gonna change my shape entirely. I'm gonna bring this person on, put him over there. He was really, really good at that, Alex Neil. He would have the way he would set up, but he wouldn't it wouldn't just be about his plan here. He would always have an idea how to adapt. Is 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 that not so much the case with Tony Mowbray? I don't want to be too critical on here, but I just wanna I wanna drill down in there what we're getting
1: no, I'm the same. I am you know, I don't want to pick out every little bit of his, you know, of what he did wrong for us because he did a lot, right? But I'd probably say it is, I think you kind of feel it in the fan base that if we went a goal down, it were a bit like, I'd be really happy to take a point here because mm. I don't feel like we'd go and get free. And, you know, there'd be times the performances go back to the derby last year. We were 1-0 down. Uh, we did have a centre midfielder playing a false nine, a 34-year-old centre midfielder, but we won't go into that because it's a bit of... <laughs> It's a bit of a touch subject, but he did make the half time changes, you know, we went and won it three one. He's got he can change it, he just never seemed to do it enough at Rose for every one time he'd do it, there'd be three games that we just didn't do it. And you know what the championship's like, if you can come back from a goal down and win them games, you're looking at the right end of the table, aren't you? Yeah, yeah.
0: No, absolutely. Um oh, Right, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try and chip away at the positive stuff now than um, that you said, because that was just the one negative thing you said there. There were some, some things that were interesting. So this attacking style of play, passing style. I was going to ask if he was flexible and he could adapt, because that's something Alex Neil did as well. Sometimes we play through the thirds, passing football, but someone get a lot of joy by um, the, the two strikers you just mentioned there, um, getting a quick ball down the channel and and. And really putting the um, the opposition back line under pressure that way, and getting us on the front foot. He likes his forwards to press and really put the defenders under on, on, on pressure. Is that something you think um, he would simulate?
1: Yeah, he did. He did that here, and he did it to some success. You know, we had the games when, uh, especially early on last season, we just let the defence play around with Paul, and then we switched the press on, uh, the press on, and suddenly we've won the ball back and it's just about your striker ch- taking the chance and scoring. I think you'll find that last year we played with a back five and he liked his defenders to bring the ball out of defence a lot. So if you've got them kind of defenders, who can do that. I know you were linked with uh, Jan-Paul Vanette, but that seems to have got a bit, you know, a bit quiet. He'd have been the perfect player to bring the ball out. But if you've got some in defence who can bring it out comfortably, I think, I think that's perfect for you. That's kind of his... Player, you've got to think that you know if he comes in, say he comes in on the Wednesday, he's got 24 hours to make signings. has not he? He'll have his list in his mind. It's just, can he get them players in? He won't be in charge of that list, down Here,
0: he won't uh, be in charge of that. What, what was what was the situation with Blackburn? Because this is something I think that, that Alex Neil perhaps wasn't so happy about. Suddenly they've got this kind of aggressive structure in place now, and I know Stuart Harvey we got from Blackburn actually. Um, who's in charge of, of recruitment and Christian Speakman, who's a, the sporting director, are very much in charge of the transfers. The manager gets the sign off and the manager gets a little bit of an input, but they go. They've got this model now where they're looking at a younger players who they can bring through, add value to the squad, and that's the way they need to do it. And after years and years of being in ridiculous amounts of debt, you can kind of understand it, but I don't think Alex Neil perhaps was. Was that keen on that It's Tony Mowbray? Did he work under something similar at Blackburn? What was the situation?
1: So Blackburn's always been a tough one under Mowbray, that we never really got an insight into what was going on from but from what we understand it was, uh, his assistant Mark Venus were heavily involved in transfers. Okay. So Venus has been with him I think you were with him at West Brom, you were with him at Middlesbrough. Uh he would definitely Ipswich, didn't Yeah, played a switch, yeah. So they've kind of been everywhere together. And what we felt, at least at Rovers, was that Venus had, had more of a say in the transfers. But he'd obviously work with Stuart Harvey. No, Stuart Harvey knows Mowbray well. I think they lived together down here for however long Mowbray were here, four years, five years. So he definitely knows what he wants. He definitely knows how he works. I think for Mowbray's I'm not sure whether he expected to go into a championship job himself. if that makes sense? I don't think he's... He's very he knows who to let do what, like he'll know you know, he knows who to trust. He knows that if so if Stuart says a play is good, he'll trust Stuart. I can guarantee that that okay. he's not gonna go against he wouldn't have took the job if he knew that he wasn't gonna get what he wanted. I think he'd be comfortable with how you work it. Maybe he won't be a year down the line if he's not getting what he wants him, but from what I can gather is that him and Stuart had a really good relationship. You know, a lot of the players we brought in with down to Stuart and down to Mark, and I think you'll see that in Mowbray's mind, he can adapt to having players, and as long as he's not fully forced, like you say, they get the sign-off, don't they? So if they get the sign-off for the player, I think he'll be more than happy. He's not a... he back me as a man to go booting off about who he's going to get and who he's not going to get. He's pretty much, back me, and he'll go and do the job.
0: Mm. OK, that's fair enough. I guess the Stuart Harvey link does make that a little bit easier. Um, I mean, you, you, you know, you, <laughs> we don't have the time really to sort of have a massive debate about that. I'm sure that, you know, we probably need to bring another four or five players in. But again, that's a discussion for us um, separately from this. Uh, I think uh, when I want to ask about the way I, it was interesting to see played at back five there because playing on three at the back of the moment. Cause I think I was reading something on... on um, Tony me a more brave with Blackburn last year, where it was. It was City played four the back, so I was going to ask about that because I would the squad's not half at the moment, I think four the back frightened the life out of me. We're, we're playing three at the back of the minute. We are kind of bring the ball out. Our wing backs are not full backs at all. So and um, yeah, you know, I mean, we've got Jack Clark playing wing back at the minute. There's absolutely no way on earth he could play a full back a back four. And the Gooch is the other one, similar attacking players by nature. So that's encouraging that he does that. Um, and is that his go-to system?
1: Uh, no, he changed a lot. A lot of his time here were 4 2 three, one Yeah. I think he used that quite a lot. And I'd worry about that. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully
0: he's going to go to the back three thing as long as he's done I it. I think
1: he will. Hmm. I think he will. Corey Evans were, you know, a key in that 4 2 three, one That were kind of his, he'd always play on the right side of that to him, you know, in front of the defence. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to call, you know, I'm not too clued up on Sunderland, so I can't claim to know who's going to play where, but I think you'll find with Mowbray, to be fair, I think one of his criticisms he had here was, he asked a lot of his wide men to get back and defend, like it was almost like everyone defends when we need them to, that was a bit of a criticism that, you know, like you mentioned with your full bikes, your wing bikes, that we had wingers who were wingers, they weren't a full back. They weren't a wing back. There was an out-and-out out winger and he'd still ask them to defend. Mm-hmm. And I think he got a bit of criticism for that from fans that, you know, we had a few that were really exciting, but if they wouldn't put the work in that Mulberry wanted, he wouldn't have them in the squad. He'd send them out on more. even though they could be really good attackers, if they've not got that defensive work rate, he were a bit, he weren't too keen on them, really. I think he'll use his back five. I think he'll understand that he's took over in a bit of a weird situation that none of us expected a week ago. And I think you'll just realise that maybe give him a transfer window or two, then his ideas might come in. I think at the moment he'll just go with, look at what Sunderland have and play whatever suits them, whether that's four, two, three, one, uh, four, three, three, you did. Uh, 3-5-2 Three, five, two. He did everything here. To be honest, he, whatever we had a bit of an injury issue, so we put, he must have played most formations whilst he were here. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I think I think like you say, I think he's gonna. He's actually been a couple of games up here as a guest of Stuart Harvey because he lives in the. He's from the northeast, so he lives in the area. So. He's uh, you know, luckily for us, I think he's been to all of our home games this season. Um so at oh, least he will, he will oh. have yeah, exactly no, it's good it's good. It's fallen it's fallen into place in, in in that respect, really, in terms of you know, he doesn't have to rely on going back and looking through all videos. He's actually been able to sit in the position, watch the shape of the team, see what works well. So I'd be amazed if if he was he was quick to change that that system if you say he's played similar at Blackburn anyway. So that's quite that's quite encouraging. I think finally I'm just interested to in know how um He worked for centre forwards and because when um, Eris Sims came uh, on loan from Everton, we were expecting him and Ross Stewart initially to to compete for for one place up front. Um, Now Alex Neal found a system for them both to play and they've struck up a really good partnership to the point where, you know, you mentioned earlier that they are scoring goals. So I'm interested to know how he used it the strikers because um you, you mentioned Adam Armstrong there who was a bit of a focal point but Broughton who we are we all know his story, the chilly thing and 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 all that. And I'd be interested to know how he used him um as a striker or as a as a wide forward.
1: Wide forward sums Mowbray up perfectly. The thing we heard all the time that you know we got Sam Gallagher six foot five and he was Mowbray was always adamant that he's gonna be better playing as a wide forward. You know, especially in that four-two-three-one, 2 3 Diaz always played on the left. Normally, that's where his best performances come. Adam Armstrong were on the left a lot. Uh, you know, he's kind of used his out-and-out forwards as wide forwards, like you say. A lot of his time, his success come from Bradley Dyke playing number 10. You know, he seemed to like having that striker that the ball would stick off and someone else could run on. So I could see him adapting that to having... Stewart Sims, one of them plays a bit further behind the other one and kind of plays off them, because obviously everyone knows Bradley Dak, everyone knows how good he was before his injuries. And, you know, he's never really played two up front. He's always played a striker with supporting players. So whether he goes, you know, he could put one up front and one as a wide forward and have someone else on the other side, or he could, you know, go for his 4-2-3-1. It's really hard to tell him all about because he's always been he's always used that many, you know, like he would in a five and a half year spell, it's, he's got to change. So I think he'll make one of them play off the other, whichever, whichever is your better player of getting in the right place. I think he'll be the one that kind of plays off a bit like that. Did.
0: Hmm. I'm instinctively thinking, he might because Ross Stewart kind of, this is, I'm speaking in relative terms here. I'm not comparing Ross Stewart, Harry hurricane, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> what he can do is he can do the, the focal point, and he can also play off as well. He's really got everything who's game, Stuart. Um, So, yeah, I'm sort of instinctively thinking Sims is going to be up top and Stuart's going to be um, whizzing around. We'll see. We'll see. It'll be really interesting. Uh, What's your good feeling? Uh, Dan asked uh, how he's going to do for Sunderland.
1: I think he'll do well. I, I don't think he's the one to take you back, you know, to the Premier League, but at a time, you know, like this, when you know, the way money is with clubs. And I think he's your option that you're not going to be in any danger of going down under him. You're not going to be in any danger of, you know, falling into that pack. I think you'll have your good spells, you'll have your bad spells, like every club does, and especially like he did here. But for me, it's a good move for both involved. It's a really good move for him as well. You know, he spoke down here about, at, towards the end, he were kind of saying, you know, all the time he spent away from his family, five and a half years, and he wanted something up there. So I think it works for all parties. Knowing Stuart Harvey, I think, is a big thing because, like you say, we set up, the fact that he can—he has someone already you trust at the top. He's At our club, We were very pally with the CEO. We'd been with him before. He'd obviously been with his assistant everywhere. There we're always people he knew. So, you know, I think mean, Stuart Harvey, there's a big start. I think he'll do well. I don't think Sunderland fans should expect the world of him. I don't think they should expect to go up under him but I think you'll get a manager that really cares for the club really puts the time in puts the work in sticks with you in the bad times you know as long as you stick with him and back him you know there'll be times when you sit there and you just we had it where you'd sit there and just think you want to change but five games later you'd be back firing him I think as long as he gets the patience you know we we'll get the backing we know what Sunderland fans are like we know how well supported they are and I can just see him having a really good time at the club. And then maybe a few years down the line, you'll look at bringing another manager in to kind of make that step up as such. He'll build you a good squad over these, however long he signs his deal for. But I think his limits getting a team around the playoffs. And, you know, if he goes and does it, then fair play. I hope he does it because for what he did for us, I'll be forever grateful, but I just don't see him doing the next step. I see him being a solid option to have.
0: Yeah, and I think that's probably where Sunderland are at and what they need at the moment. And I think initially it might have felt a bit uninspiring, but I think people have kind of talked themselves into it. And, and let's be honest, if Sunderland could afford to go and poach um, some really good managers from other championship clubs then than they wouldn't have lost Alex Neil in the first place, and that's unfortunately no. just that's unfortunately just where we're at, and I think we're we're just going to have to accept it. So, um, Dan from Rovers Chat, thanks. I'm sure we'll catch up again later in the season.
1: No, thanks for having us on. I wish him all the best and Sunderland for the season. <laughs>